0: Acts chapter 6. This morning I'm excited about this, this text and I'm gonna try to keep it short. At the end we're gonna have a, a prayer time for, uh, the persecuted church and we're gonna invite some of you guys to, to join in with us on that. This morning I'd like to ask you what's one of the biggest risks that you have taken for the sake of the gospel? What's one of the biggest risks that you have taken because you believe the gospel and you are committed to getting the gospel out? Do you have a picture in your mind? Do you have something you gave up or uh, inconveniencing yourself or going on a mission trip, going to a dangerous place? What risk have you taken for the gospel because you believe it's true and you believe that Jesus is worthy of you giving it all. As we look in Acts chapter six and seven today, we're going to see a man who put himself at risk for the sake of the gospel. He was willing to go to a dangerous place. He was willing to speak to people who strongly opposed his message and he loses his life or we could say he gained, he gained his life in one way from a kingdom perspective. And we're looking at Stephen. So Lord, as we open up the scriptures, as we look at the life of this martyr, of this saint, of this, this man who stood faithfully to the very end, would you inspire your people here today to live faithfully for you and even die for you? I pray that you would strengthen our faith. I pray that you would move us on to your agenda. In Christ's name we pray. Amen So last week we looked at Acts chapter six, the first seven verses, and there was this tension going on amongst the church. The apostles were they were in charge of getting all the, the 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 offerings that were coming in and helping meet the needs of the people. They were overseeing that, and they were probably trying to do all that themselves, the twelve apostles themselves, and there were lots of people coming to Jesus. And they came to this realization, they came to this realization that they can't do it all themselves. They needed some other leaders who can help bear the load and they could spread the responsibility out and let some of these other leaders be delegated and empowered to meet the needs of the people. So they chose seven people who had a good reputation, who were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. They chose these people. And and they helped bear the load of taking care of the widows amongst the Christians, the the, the Jewish, the, the Greek speaking widows who were appeared to be neglected with the daily distributions. The result was the apostles were able to best serve the church by committing themselves to the ministry of the word of God and prayer. Like it was a real good thing. It would have been a really good thing for the apostles to continue to get all the goods out to those who needed it. The poor Christians among them. The widows, right? God cares about widows. But that wasn't necessarily the best role for the apostles to continue in as the church was growing and bursting at the seams. They had so many people to care for. The apostles' primary calling was to preach the gospel and to be people of prayer. And so they said, let's get seven guys who can do this work and serve tables. And so they chose these seven guys. One of these seven guys was Stephen. It wasn't that this role was, was beneath the apostles. The role of serving tables. It wasn't that their attitude was, this is beneath us. We can't serve tables. Their, their mindset was, this isn't the most effective way for us to spend our time. Okay, there's a better way to do this. Let's spread out, right? And so in their mind, the best way that they could serve the church was to give themselves to studying and preaching and teaching the word of God. And we've, we finished last week looking at verse 7. And the result of that... The result of there being other leaders to help bear the load and serve tables was that the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. You see, because the apostles were giving themselves to the preaching of the word, the church was getting equipped with the word of God and empowered and equipped and able to do the work of the ministry of them themselves, right? And the word just continued to spread, so more people kept coming to Jesus. There was multiplication, because the word was getting out. Even some priests had become obedient to the faith. Christianity was spreading like wildfire. And the enemy couldn't stop it, even with severe persecution. Division, the enemy tried to bring in division, a schism within the church. And, and by God's grace, they were able to get past that. There was corruption within the church, some hypocrisy, some members who were being pretenders in the church. And, the, and, and God didn't let that stop the mission of the church either. And so we see the mission of the church spreading. There's a professor, a, a history professor at Yale who said this about Christianity. He said, never in so short a time has any other religious faith or for that matter, any other set of ideas, religious, political or economic ever achieved so commanding a position in such an important culture without the aid of physical force or social or cultural prestige. Christianity was spreading. OK, and it wasn't because there were these real rich, powerful people who in political people pulling strings for it to make it happen. The spirit of God was moving in the hearts of people, changing lives, even in the face of Christians getting killed. As we're, we're going to look here at Stephen's life in just a moment. And he was the very first martyr, the very first the very first Christian to get killed for his faith. One of the early church fathers. Tertullian said this. That the blood of the martyrs. Is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs. Is the seed of the church. While the enemy. And, and, and other opposing enemies of Christianity. Tried to stop the message. And stop Christians from advancing. With the gospel. And the love. And the truth of Jesus Christ. The death of Christians actually cause the the movement to move even more, to grow even more. Remember the words of Jesus that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And We see that in the life of Jesus and we see that with the early church. We see God working even in spite of persecution. So let's look at Stephen's life. Acts chapter 6 uh, verse 8. <clears throat> And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freemen, as it was called, and some of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from Sicilia in Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking And they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people. And we'll stop there. And all God's people said, amen. So here's the big idea. This is where we're going from this text is that Jesus has called his people to be faithful witnesses with the power of the Holy Spirit, even in the face of intense persecution. Remember, as we've already said over and over in this book, that the main verse is Acts 1-8. The key verse of the book is, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God has called his people to be witnesses, and we see... His people testifying even in the face of opposition. They're not going to back down. They're not going to shut up. They're not going to be quiet. They're going to keep proclaiming the good news of Jesus with boldness. Even to the point of death. Even when being persecuted. And by the way, the scripture says in 2 Timothy 3.12. That all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will uh, suffer with persecution, will be persecuted, right? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a great Bible promise to put on your refrigerator. Ladies, I know y'all, y'all have the theme of the promises of God for the women's retreat. Maybe that can be one that's mentioned during the women's retreat. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The blessed life. Welcome to Christianity. And so here it goes. Here's this, this man who is just an ordinary man who's not an apostle, who has this great reputation. He's a godly man. He's a follower of Jesus. He's a Greek-speaking Jew. Let, let's look at some characteristics of him here. One, he had a great reputation because he was probably a man of his word. He was probably kind and thoughtful and gracious and so on. He was a man that was full of wisdom and filled with the Holy Spirit. This was the requirement of the, uh, those seven who were to serve tables within the church. They were to represent the leadership of the church. Some some might say these were the first deacons, right? And so they were to have a good reputation. They were to be full of wisdom. They were to be full of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 5, we see that it says of Stephen that he was full of Faith. This was a man who was full of faith. He was a believer and it showed with his actions, not just his words. He had actions that showed a living, alive faith. And he was, in verse 8, described as one who was full of grace. He was full of grace. This means there was a sweet disposition to him. There was a sweet disposition to him. He was a winsome man. He was he was persuasive. He was winsome. He uh, he had he had grace. The the Greek word there is charis. There was this grace upon his life. There's another person in Scripture who was full of grace, Jesus, right? And so we see this Christ-likeness in his life. Actually, there's several parallels. We'll look at them later between Stephen and Jesus. But he was a man full of grace. He was also a man full of power. There was sweetness, but there was also strength. There was strength in working in his life. The power of the Holy Spirit. And he was performing signs and wonders. Now, this is really cool because up until now, all we see is the apostles doing this. Well, and we see Jesus doing it, right? We see Jesus doing it in, in the, the gospels, and then we see the apostles doing these signs and wonders. Now, here's somebody who's not one of the twelve apostles who's also doing signs and wonders. Isn't this amazing? That that God is is letting the, the power of the Holy Spirit work in the lives of Ordinary saints, if you will. By the way, Jesus did send out 70, not just the 12, but he sent out 70 in the Gospels to go on a mission trip. And he gave them power to go preach and heal and cast out demons too. So God wants the power of his spirit to be spread out among his people. That's Luke chapter 10, if you want to look that up. Uh, so we got Stephen, who's full of grace, he's full of power, he's performing signs and wonders among the people. Now remember, what was his role? He was given a role in the church. What was he supposed to be doing? And he was doing it. Serve tables. Okay? You just look a little bit further back. He was given the responsibility to serve tables to take care of uh the the widows and, and the daily distribution that the needy among the church were getting uh, taken care of. So Stephen was among the people, meeting the needs of the people, doing good works, letting his light shine before men. He was, he was doing good works, serving, meeting practical needs. And you know what? God started using this guy to perform signs and wonders as he was serving people. And you know what? God also started using this guy to bring a powerful message. We see this, this powerful sermon Come out of this, uh, deacon-like leader, uh, in, in the early, in the, the book of Acts. So it wasn't just the gift of serving others that, that he was called to. He, he had this utterance from the Holy Spirit to speak the gospel message, to speak and testify about Jesus Christ. And he was a persuasive speaker. Let, let's look back here at Acts, uh, 610. It says they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Hold your, your finger there and turn over in your Bibles to Luke 21, starting in verse 12. He said, but before all this, they will lay their hands on you. Okay, and that's not praying for you like like it happened earlier with with Stephen. They will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, Which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Here's Jesus' promise to his followers being fulfilled in the life of Stephen. God was giving him a mouth of wisdom. The Holy Spirit was giving him the words to speak when he was being persecuted, when he was brought under fire, when, when the fire was getting turned up, he had the words to say and he had a powerful sermon, the longest sermon in the book of Acts. Okay, the longest speech in the book of Acts. So Jesus says, uh, you will, you will be given a mouth. And wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my namesake. But not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. Amen. And so here's Jesus's words unfolding in the life of Stephen. He was given what he needed to testify. He was being a witness. He was being a witness, and by the way, that that word, the Greek word for witness, you will be witnesses uh, or bear witness. The Greek word is uh, mar- martyrus. Okay, it's where we get our word martyr. Okay, same word, and and so the idea of being a witness uh, is that we are to be a witness, even to the point of death. And that's what mar- being a martyr is. A martyr is somebody who witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the point of losing their life for the sake of the gospel. And Jesus is worth it. And we must be convinced of that. Have you come to grips that you may lose your life to follow Jesus? Have you come to grips with that? Have you thought about that? Have you thought that one day you may have to stand when others around you aren't standing and not deny Jesus and speak up in the face of a gun barrel. You may have to give your life for the sake of the gospel. This is a part of Christianity, and all throughout the world, uh, this has happened. Not as much in the Western world, you know. Our persecution is more uh, verbally being attacked and being socially outcast, right? Um, that that 's more that 's the kind of pers- persecution we typically experience here, but there are other parts in the world that getting baptized and confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior may cost you your life uh, Muslim families there are Muslim families that will disown, and Hindu families who will disown their their children their their family members, close relatives if they become followers of Jesus Christ. And so this is not a strange thing. It's not an abnormal thing for Christians to experience. We follow a crucified Lord. Stephen followed a crucified Lord. Amen. So he started with Abraham in his message he affirms that he believes in the old testament he affirms that he believes the law and he's from his speech it communicates that he believes it and that he knows it so he just walks through he starts from abraham and then he goes to or to joseph and then he goes to moses and he goes to joshua he goes to david he goes to solomon and he just gives them kind of an old testament survey you know they probably knew most of that already you know, but he was affirming that he wasn't against the law. Okay, he wasn't against the law. Um but he, he climaxes his sermon with these words. Here's a great way to end the sermon, by the way. You stiff necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. And so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom have you whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who have received the law and delivered it by angels and did not keep it. Now, these are strong words. Now, let me let me remind you that we just read that Stephen was full of grace. And he was full of the Holy Spirit when he was saying these things. So. You can be a Christian who's full of grace and love and the Holy Spirit and say some really hard things that people need to hear. And here he goes doing that. He's speaking the truth in love. He's speaking with grace. He goes through, gives an Old Testament survey and he calls them stiff-necked. The idea of being stiff-necked is, is, is being stubborn. Okay, anybody ever hurt your neck and it's been stiff and you're like this, you know, you, you're not very flexible with it. You're not able to do this very much. So the, the idea be, is being stubborn and then uncircumcised in heart. That means that they, they're at heart, they're heathens. They're not acting like the true Israel of God. They're uncircumcised in heart and their ears. They're they're not hearing from God and they resist the Holy Spirit. So throughout Israel's history, they bucked against the prophets that God would send. Jesus wept over this, over the reality that Israel, Jerusalem killed the prophets. They killed messengers that were sent to them to to lead them back to God, to, to encourage them to repent and, and experience God's mercy and experience God's grace. He says, You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. Uh, and then he brings it to Jesus. He says, And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. So he's doing the same thing that Peter did in his sermons in Acts chapter three and four. And he said, You guys killed them. You're guilty. And then he says, you guys haven't kept the law. You, you haven't obeyed it. This cut them at heart. This convicted them. This, this made them so furious. <clears throat> when we're convicted by the Holy Spirit, we can either bow our knee and respond in humility and agree with God and say, you're right. Agree with his word and those who bring his word to us and say, God, you're, you're right. You're right. I've been selfish. I've been prideful. I've been insensitive and unkind or whatever it is that he convicts us of. Or when we're convicted by the Holy Spirit and convicted through his word from somebody who brings his word to us, speaking it in love, we can respond in in, in an ungodly way and get angry and just stomp on out of there or attack, get angry and, and maybe shut down. And we could be passive aggressive, you know, shut down and maybe just cut somebody off. I'm not going to talk to that person or just attack, right? And these guys went with the, the more aggressive route. They, they decided to attack. They, and has anybody ever experienced this where you're, you're talking with somebody about the Lord or you're trying to and all of a sudden they just get mad. They just, you know, their face turns Red and their their ears are red, and they're you know you can just see they 're really upset, and you 're just speaking the, the the words of god you has anybody had that experience besides myself? Um, I was on a dart train one time preaching uh well several times on a dart train uh, that this has happened, but w- one particular time there was a guy that was so mad he was cussing me out and and like about to hit me like or looked like he was about to hit me i mean he was you know, bigger guy and, and thankfully there was an off duty security guard who was about a pretty big guy as, as well. And he got up and he got, and he started defending me and he was like, leave him alone. Let him preach. You know, it's like had my own personal bodyguard there and kept on preaching. It was awesome, you know, but it doesn't always turn out like that for Christians. You know, Christians get beat up and laid out and even killed when they, Stand faithfully and speak the message of Christ. Okay? Um, and Stephen didn't back down. I mean, he could have cowered out here. He could have recanted. He could have said, oh, man, I see you guys have stones and stuff. You know, uh, I'm going to go rethink this Christianity stuff. He could have backed out. He could have been silent in that moment. But he wasn't. He was full of the Holy Spirit and God enabled him to be faithful. And as he was doing so, his face was shining like an angel. God's smile was towards Stephen. God wasn't mad at Stephen. God wasn't forsaking Stephen. God was with him through this. He was going through this persecution and he had the spirit of God upon him in a special way. Verse 54, now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed Together at him. This this sounds like something kids would do, right? When they get mad, they close their ears and, and just start running around. I mean, they were going they were going crazy here. and And they rushed him and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Here goes Saul introduced here. And they were stoning Stephen and he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Powerful message. Let me, let me just say this too. The death of the saints is precious in the sight of the Lord. The Psalms tell us. The death of his saints is precious in the sight of the Lord. Stephen here, as he's in this moment, about the transition from this life into eternity, gets to see Jesus. And Jesus wasn't sitting down like, like other places in the scripture it refers to him as having sat down at the right hand of, of majesty, right? He's standing up. And commentators have some different ideas of what's going on here. That, that Jesus, he sees Jesus and he's not sitting down. Jesus is standing up. Perhaps Jesus was giving Stephen a welcome. Perhaps Jesus was moved, and what was happening was precious to to Jesus. It is. The death of the saints is precious to God. But God gave Stephen grace to go through this. And I think this is important, too, for us to to know, that if God calls us to this this difficult place of persecution, to give up our lives for him, there will be grace available for us to walk through that. You're not in that situation now, so you don't have to fret and be afraid. God will give you the courage. He'll give you the grace. He'll he'll help you by the power of his spirit to stand in that situation. Notice his response here. As he's being killed, he doesn't attack back with with curses. He, He does what Jesus did. He says, Lord, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Remember, Jesus prayed, Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. And then he also says, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. Remember, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What kind of love is this that he would forgive and pray for the mercy of God to come upon his enemies, his his murderers? So here's some parallels between Stephen and Jesus. Um, there's at least 10. There's probably much more than that, but they were both full of grace they were both full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, both of them performed great signs and wonders. Both of them spoke with irresistible wisdom. Remember Jesus that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes uh, and the teachers of the law they tried to stump Jesus. They tried to trap him and get him to uh, answer hard questions and 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 make the people uh, get them to blaspheme or, or make the people not like him. He sp- he silenced them. And and there's at one point in Luke I think twenty two thirty nine through forty it says that they dared not ask Jesus another question. Like they came at him with these questions and they st- and he stumped them. Stephen spoke with that same kind of wisdom and persuasiveness. They were both charged with blasphemy. Jesus was. Stephen was. They both had false witnesses who came against them. Uh, They both interceded for their enemies, praying for forgiveness. They both committed their spirit to the lord uh, they both uh, had a testimony of the destruction of the temple uh, jesus said in john 2 19 21 he said uh, destroy this temple in three days and i will raise it up again and then the jewish leader said to him this temple has been under construction for 46 years and are, are you going to raise it up in three days but jesus was speaking about the temple of his body so, so Stephen was just saying the things that Jesus was saying. All right. He was just speaking Jesus's words and being a faithful witness to Jesus. G. Campbell Morgan says this. He says between Stephen and Jesus, there was this communion of nature. There was a communion of testimony. There was a communion of suffering. Finally, there was a communion of triumph. What happened with Stephen was not a tragedy. That was not a tragedy. That was a gift that he that he was counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus and go from this life into the next with a faithful witness going down strong, not backing down in fear and cowardice. Here's some promises for the persecuted. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Anybody want to live godly in Christ Jesus here? The first part we want, but I don't know about the second part. Persecution, no, I don't know. Uh, Jesus describes this as the blessed life. Does anybody want the blessed life? You guys have heard about the blessed life, right? For many people, they think the blessed life is having a nice big house, nice car, nice family, good health, everything going smooth for them in life. But according to Jesus, the blessed life, a part of it is this right here. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a promise for the persecuted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God promises you great reward when you go through persecution for the name of Jesus. And you're in good company they they persecuted the prophets who were before you here's another one peter beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed if you are insulted for the name of Christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer, as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. If the world speaks falsely, evil of you falsely. Don't be surprised if you're attacked by by non-Christians. This has been the way from the beginning. Jesus experienced this. He told his followers this would come. This, this will happen. And it does happen today in, in, in various parts of the world. So know that persecution will come if you're living for Jesus. So make sure you've come to grips with the reality that you may lose your life if you're going to follow Jesus and be a faithful follower of Christ. Okay. don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised by it. And then trust that God will help you be faithful through any persecution that you face. Don't be afraid and cowered back and fear. Trust that God's going to give you what you need to go through that when it comes. Okay, he'll be with you. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Right. And then be familiar with and pray for the persecuted Christian groups persecuted church there's a ministry called voice of the martyrs if you want to get more familiar with parts of the world that are experiencing intense persecution every day people who are losing their life losing their homes their jobs and and it's just really hard to be a christian in certain parts of the world and i think if 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 we 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 knew we're, we're more familiar with that we would be more moved to pray more moved to support and even more more willing and eager to step out and take risks for Jesus. Because people are taking huge risks for Jesus. And in our Western world, you know, it's a sacrifice to go to church for some people, right? It's a sacrifice to to give tithes and offerings for some people. But in other parts of the world, it's giving your life. It's losing your job. It's losing your freedom. It's going to prison, uh, for following Jesus. And so what I'd like to do in response is I'd like to um, respond with a with a song of worship. And then uh, we're going to play a video and then we're going to have a, a prayer time together. We're going to pray for the persecuted church.